One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Dirtbags, thank you so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm just very, 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 very happy to have you here with me today. I'm going to do a short intro because I ain't got much time and I need to get this episode ready. And my best friend Tyler's getting into town. He's on the train from JFK now, and we're going to hang out for a few days and go to some concerts. It's it. Yeah, and go to some concerts and stuff, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, short intro, but today's episode is a good one. It's great. I interviewed a few of the guys from Chest Fever, also Mrs. Henry. Uh, you'll find out more about what that is and, and the dynamics between those two groups and whatnot, but it was a lot of fun talking to these guys about their experience on the road, about their experience as musicians, their lives. It was just really cool. I'd never met them before, and we had a great time. Talked for like an hour and a half and got into some nitty-gritty about being a musician and about running into hard times on the road. And yeah, it was just a great interview and a lot of fun all around. Yeah, and I'm just really grateful that they were willing to sit down with me and talk with me for you know an hour and a half and give me that part of their time uh they're going to be on tour for the next few months so check it out chest fever official on instagram and yeah it was really cool it was great talking with them and i'll let you get to that episode here real quick but before we do just remember if you want to support the podcast or me as a musician or you know the, all the things i do you can go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and sign up to throw us a few bucks each month whatever you're not going to miss being put towards and invested in the projects that i work on like this podcast that you are listening to right now if you're not familiar with patreon it's a great platform where you can support artists or organizations and you do that by becoming a patron of theirs you sign up to support throwing a few dollars every month whatever's going to fit within your budget and not set you back too far and whatever you won't miss as someone who's been using patreon for a number of years now as an artist a creator also as someone supporting other artists and creators i believe in i gotta say it's a great platform it's really cool it's it's a really great way to build more of a rapport with those artists that you want to support and you want to get to know on a deeper level and it's a great way for you if you want to get access to more content and more different sides of me and the things that i do whether it's hiking in montana with banjo or commuting to work six days a week in Times Square for this job I'm doing right now it's fucking crazy it's um Times Square is fucking insane uh and yeah anyways I'm just going off but yeah Patreon it's just a great platform to support artists and organizations and things that you believe in so check us out patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth thank you everyone who's already a patron for anyone who's ever bought a t-shirt or come to one of my shows I've got a lot of tour dates coming up this next year really looking forward to it about to announce some new ones uh actually i'm gonna just say it i'm gonna be in utah thanksgiving weekend friday the 25th and saturday the 26th and yeah playing some shows in utah with the full band exciting things going on we'll give you more details soon so look forward to that utah we'll be seeing you then lastly if you want to support the show but you don't want to spend any money because the these weird economic times have hit you in the wallet a little hard no worries there's great ways you can support us without having to spend any money at all and the top way to do that is to leave us a review in the iTunes or podcast app, Apple podcast app, whatever you call it. Just go there, give us a five-star rating and a review. Tell us why you like the show. 
Yeah, it helps get the show out to more and more people, let more and more people know that you're listening and that you enjoy it. I know we only have a handful of reviews on there right now, but we got way more listeners each month. So if you're listening right now and you've got a free two minutes, please leave us a review and a rating in the Apple Podcast app. That would be amazing. If you don't use Apple or the Apple Podcast app, but you're listening on Spotify or whatever thing you're listening to us on, please just make sure you're following or subscribing to the show. Uh, that's a great way to make sure that those platforms know that you're listening and that you enjoy it and that you want to know when we have more things coming out. Beyond that, check out my music, Charles Ellsworth. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, all of the things. Whatever you listen to music on, you can find my tunes. I suggest starting with the song Six is Scared of Seven because I've just been digging that one a lot lately. But if that's not your jam, check out The Town Where I'm From or Laundromat. That's listen to me plugging my own songs. <laughs> but uh, anyways, go check them out. Uh, in the meantime, here is my conversation with Alan, Dan, and Jody, to be precise, from Chess Fever and Mrs. Henry. Enjoy. All right. Well, uh, this is a Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road, and I'm your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm so stoked to have uh, Chest Fever here. We've got um, Alan, Dan, and Jody and uh, we're going to be joined by Blake. Is that right? Yes. Later on. Blake Dean. Doing? Blake Dean. Um, <laughs> and you, you all, will you play under Chess Fever? And then as well as, did I read Miss Henry? Is that another one? Or is that still active? Yes. Mrs. Henry, yes. So Mrs. Henry. Mrs. Henry is our uh, core band, our original group that we started as. And um, Chess Fever is our uh, moniker <laughs> for the band. Has a moniker, so Chess Fever is almost like our—it's our Batman to our Bruce Wayne. Oh, it's, cool! Uh, yeah, cool. Um, that's uh, that's really interesting. Do I, um, do you usually do interviews as one or the other, or as both? One or the other. Yeah, yeah you know, we yeah. all have split personalities within our own personalities, so you know, this is just an extension of that personality. So. <laughs> Hell you yeah. know, it's it's just the to, you know topic matter and and uh, you know the, the air in which we're we're breathing it. So you know we're all it's a voice for Henry is a voice for chest fever. You know it's it's a, we just find chest fever is a great way when we are doing booking when we're performing just to make it defined as this is us playing the band and this is when we're playing this music that's the easiest way to find it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that's it's really important or useful to to like draw those lines or know exactly what the um you know what's going on. Like I've been doing this solo thing for a long time, I mentioned, and then started playing with this band, and then we start writing songs that aren't my songs, and we're like trying to start this new thing, but we gotta know like, well, when is it a, a Chuck show or when is it this whatever this band is called? Because coming up with a band name is fucking hard. So, you know, what and we're uh so yeah, it's uh, I I kind of can understand that perspective a little bit. When did you guys all meet? When did it it all start? Well, we <clears throat> all have met throughout different points of our lives, not all in one spontaneous moment, mm -hmm. but uh, I met Alan almost fifteen years ago in Los Angeles, city of L.A. Mm -hmm. I met Jody um, about eight years ago in San Diego, 
and we had all known, like I'd known Jody through various channels, but never actually met. Uh -huh. um, and then same with Blake. I've known Blake for probably um, almost 10 years now. Probably 10 years. Cool. So, so I mean, yeah. And uh, when, it, Dan, it sounds like you're, are you, you're like the leader of the band. Like how did Chest Fever come to be? Well, Chest Fever came to be this year. Um, and it was actually out of a de uh, decision to um, just start uh, entity and an idea that revolved around the band. And, um, you know, we found we did a tour where we played Mrs. Henry performing music from the band. Mm -hmm. And we just felt like it was hard to relay like what that was it was very hard on face value for people to get it and i get it it's just a part of marketing and promotion and the way that people see and view things which is great and we saw well you know what why don't we just make it easy for people to really know that like when we're playing chess fever it's it's this music it's playing this song and you know the decision came from part of us meeting and and getting a chance to uh, work with the people who are representing the band and running and, and managing and maintaining the band's legacy and um just you know became an easy way to do this and so that was in you know may 1st when we first started meeting with them and then june 1st became official and and here we are today that's really cool that's uh that's awesome um what i want to say uh let me let me think about this uh where where did you all grow up? Did you all grow up in Southern California? Are you transplants? Like I'd love, love to kind of jump into a little bit of your individual stories. Or like Alan, you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your background, sure, yeah. and then Jody, you after. Yeah, so uh, uh, I am Alan. I am the drummer slash Levon of the group. Um, I am not from here, so I am a transplant. I'm from Ohio, uh, born and raised in Columbus. Uh, then I traveled to uh, University of Cincinnati for a few years. Um, and then, uh, you know, was in the kind of the scene, you know, around Ohio, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, Athens, Columbus, all that. Um, and then uh, decided to move out to California on my 25th birthday. And uh, just, I found, I met Dan probably yeah within like a year of 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 moving to that uh to la and everything um so yeah it's kind of just started from there and and met jody along the way then blake and doug organ who's also not on here but in the band mm -hmm. yeah so so that's kind of a little bit about me that's really cool that's uh yeah. i feel like i love ohio i've I've got a lot of friends from Ohio. My yeah. bass player's from Cincinnati. So like mm -hmm. a lot of love for Ohio, a lot of great music written about Ohio or songs oh, yeah. about oh, Ohio. Yeah. Lots of things happen there. It's a happening place, but everybody yeah. gets out of there for some reason. <laughs> totally. Well, I make the joke cause I, you know, I live here in New York city and most of my friends are from Arizona, which is where I'm from mm -hmm. or Ohio. So I'm like, everybody in New York city is from New York city or Arizona or Ohio. <laughs> cause everybody wants to get the fuck out of Arizona yeah. or Ohio. <laughs> great places, but yeah. Yeah. Certain people just need to leave those yeah, places, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you in in that first year when you were in LA or California? Um, 
I mean, what do you yeah, remember? So I, I, I did, you know, it was the whole come out here with a band. Oh, we're going to make it famous, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, BS. Um, and, you know, how it always happens. What happens? The band fizzles out or either the band breaks up. Somebody doesn't like somebody else now. Like, oh, and then all of a sudden you're 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 here and so it was, it was kind of the situation for me is like i i was almost i mean i not almost i was stuck uh-huh. <laughs> i was stuck here still I, had stuck. No money <laughs> to leave. I still don't have any money to leave but, <laughs> um, but i've made a home here so yeah uh, you know it, it's and it's been nice um so i i i like that that part about it and and it was it was a funny a funny drive and like the first couple projects that I got into out here were, were like, again, coming from the Midwest, you think of LA and you know, all this posh stuff and people are all, all stuck up and you know, it's all about me. I mean, when you get out here, it really is like that. <laughs> uh, but like the first band I was in, it was like this, like most poserous thing that I could ever be in. And it was like, like killing my soul almost mm-hmm. and i was like oh, why like i don't like this at all i was like is this really what la is about and what this is all out here and and man how did i make this huge mistake of you know making good money playing music in ohio to making no money out here yeah P- paying to play what yeah. the hell is pay to play no i mean <laughs> they don't quite have that in new york but I've definitely that been in the, those situations. Yeah, before. that was the first thing that I, that I'd never ever heard of ever was a pay to play thing, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" It's, and it was kind of like, yeah. "Is this really what LA is like?" And and yeah, in a way, yes, it is. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's it's funny how the quote unquote music towns are also like kind of the hardest towns. You, yeah, like mm-hmm. it's simple economics, supply and demand. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's people will be like, man, you should play Portland. You your music would do so well in Portland. People have been telling me that for a decade. I'm like, yeah, if I could get a foot in the door in Portland, like it's it's yeah. hard, you know. And then yeah. you get to you get a relationship with a place, and then they go under, you know, yeah, yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a it's a weird it's a weird thing. How um, I want to ask uh, Jody a question, but yeah. that band Alan that moved to L.A. together, how many of those? How many people were in that band? Um, so we had um, a solid four with the rotating five or six. Okay. Um, and only three came out, but it was like the rhythm, me, bass, and like the lead singer okay. and acoustic guitar player. So, you know, there's still like the formation of a main band there. Mm-hmm. Are th- How many of them are still playing? Are they all still playing music? Uh, yeah. I, I the One of the guys I still play with all the time, and so does some of these guys here. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so like we we still do things together. The other guy, yeah, he's back in Columbus and he he still plays music. That's cool because I know a lot of people that I started with like back when I first started that are just like they might pick up their guitar once in a while, but they yeah. they don't really play music anymore. So it's kind of rare to have those friends that you you've known you've been playing music with for a very long time that are still doing it. Yeah, That's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, uh, Jody, where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up on the East Coast, uh, and I grew up in Maine. Oh, cool! And so, uh, yeah, so I lived there for a while, and and uh, was a performer, a musician, uh, starting as a child, up until I was about twenty, and then I moved to San Diego 
on my 21st birthday. Cool. Yeah, That's, which was pretty uh, fun. Yeah, San Diego's uh, my best friend lives there. I got a brother there. It's it's a beautiful place. I've definitely nice. thought of moving there several times from the East Coast, so I can I get it. Uh, <laughs> what, yeah, it's pretty cool. I know from Maine, it's kind of like the furthest place you could go on the map in the you know continental United States, basically. Yeah, opposite it's a giant diagonal. And yeah, uh, no, that's cool. That's uh, what what uh, instrument do you play in the band? Uh, I play keys. Uh, I specialize in like uh, a lot of vintage uh, instruments. Uh, and cool. so in this group, I mostly play a piano, uh, but I'm also an organ player and uh, play a little bit of accordion. Nice. And uh, I'm one of the main singers in the group as well. Cool. That's uh, that's rad. I, uh, when you say that kind of performing and playing music was kind of a part of your life all along, was that you know, was that mom? Was that dad? Was that both? Like, like, how did you get into performing and playing? Oh, uh, yeah, it was definitely, um, yeah, both of my parents were always super supportive. And uh, I think I had, you know, showed some potential as a, as a kid, I guess. I mean, a lot of parents could say that about, about their kids, but um, I auditioned uh, for a group Uh, like a performance group at a young age and they're supposed to accept you the youngest you're allowed to be is eight Mm -hmm. but uh, my mom kind of worked my way in there with the director and convinced him that I was a uh, you know a really cool six-year-old oh nice Um, so I went in there and did an audition and uh, yeah got accepted into this uh, performing group Um, and it's kind of like a, a training group where you you learned about music and you learned about performing uh, and then you would travel the world. I got to sing for lots of, you know, governors and inaugurations and things like that. And uh, oh. got to sing for the queen of England. Cool. Uh, may she rest in peace. Yeah. God save the queen. Um, and yeah, so it was great. So I stayed in that group from when I was six until I was 18. Wow. And just that's kind of where I got my training. And, and, you know, my parents had to had to work a lot for that. You know, there was a lot of costs that came about with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they tried really hard to give me as much of a musical upbringing as I could, you know, and they would try me in some sports and try me in some other things. And I was pretty much really terrible at everything but music. So uh-huh. they kind of... Uh, put their money and their efforts towards that and piano lessons and other trainings. And yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for it and for their support. Very lucky to have that. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, that's, that's so cool. I, I mean, having supportive parents is, is a game changer. It's a, it's such a blessing and, um, I don't know, really, really cool that you got to experience so many of those things. I don't think I left, other than like going from Arizona down to Rocky Point, Mexico, I don't think I left there or left the country till I was nineteen. You know, so mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. cool to be able to travel around and play music like that. Alan, did you have something you wanted to say or? No, that was me oh. hitting the wrong button. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I'm not um, <laughs> not ignoring you uh, while you have something to say. Um, Jody, one thing I wanted to ask, you know, starting so young and being so, it seems kind of like, you know, not the right word, but like kind of a high pressure 
maybe that's the right word for a six-year-old, like a high pressure situation. <laughs> and to be learning, I remember like I was in piano lessons early on and I, I would get really frustrated with it. I'd be crying. Cause I was just like, I fucking hate this, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was just like piano lessons where we do like a recital once or twice a year for like our parents. Um, mm -hmm. how, like what was your relationship with music like coming up in such a kind of a, a unique environment? And also how has that relationship changed? And, since then well i mean i've always kept uh you know it was very much professional based you know they're like you're singing for governors you're singing for presidents you know you're mm -hmm. you're going on tour you're doing classical music but you're also doing uh you know kind of show music and choreography and things like that and so there was a, a definitely a high level of professionalism that was instilled in me uh, -huh. for better or for worse, you know, I think maybe sometimes yeah. uh, there might be certain gigs or certain things where I maybe take too seriously. Uh -huh. Um, but they just drilled things into my head. I mean, one thing in particular, I remember, you know, us all lined up almost in like a military way, but just for, you know, at least two hours, just practicing tying a tie. And we were all lined up and like trying to practice it, like as a little kid, like, not even a bow tie, just a regular tie. But now oh. I can tie the shit out of a tie. Yeah, I bet. Um, and, you know, but it was just little things like that, you know, just how to, like, present yourself. We would have, um, you know, they would talk to us about how to talk to other professionals. You know, when someone comes up and says, you know, you did a good job. Where are you from? And even as a seven-year-old, you know, you have to know how to respond and say, like, oh, thank you very much and blah, 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 and, mm -hmm. and all these things. So definitely – um instilled a lot of that uh and so there were some high pressure things you know i did a lot of piano recitals as well as a kid and and always had um you know i used to always get nervous about those maybe even more so than some of the other shows i did but mm -hmm. um but once you get a few of them under your belt you know and you just kind of see how it works um it definitely just i was you know bit by the bug i knew from a young age, which I was also grateful for. I knew like, well, there's no other path I'm going down. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a musician. Like this is, this is the way it's going to be. Like, I love it too much to be, you know, performing for, for all these folks. Like it's just, it's way too cool to, to pass up. And every gig is kind of, you know, even the rough ones, I still always try to remember like every gig is like super special, super cool. And, uh, you know, very grateful to be able to do what we're doing. Still the best job I ever had, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Worst, worst gig is usually better than the, maybe not the best day at the office, but most days at the office. So, uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really cool. That level of professionalism is at least for me, something that's always really desired and not always found when it, when dealing with other musicians and it's like, you love them for that, but also sometimes you fucking hate them for it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I like one of my favorite things in a, in a band member is like someone who just shows up on time, you know, like, it's like, I don't even, you could be the worst drummer <laughs> or a worse drummer than someone else who shows up 30 minutes late every single time. And it's like, I'm going to take the worst drummer because I like, I need someone who also respects what this is, you know, in my, my time and whatnot. Yeah. And I think learning that at a young age is really really valuable definitely yeah i mean there's so much that goes into it other than just the musicality but yeah your you know your professionalism just your yeah being on time all that stuff 
you know, having a having a good attitude, which I'll say I always have a good attitude. Just kidding. Uh, but, you know, I try. <laughs> I'm not even going to claim that I always have a good attitude, but that's awesome for you. <laughs> Jody yeah, has no, the, just voice, the voice and the attitude of an angel. That's what that's, I always say. The voice and the attitude of an angel. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we try. Always striving. No, that's... Uh, you know, always, always trying to put that best foot forward. Um, you know, I've definitely failed at that a lot of the times, mm-hmm. but still trying. Um, Dan, what's what's your background like? Where'd you come from, and and what's your relationship with music? Like, how did that start and everything? Well, I'm from San Diego, California, and grew up here, and grew up with a, you know, not a music, not necessarily a musical family, but a family that liked music and enjoyed mm-hmm. music. And um, I guess my sister played piano. I guess I did have a musical family. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> my sister played piano. My mom played piano. But not like they're not, but not like, you know, they, they did it very by rote and like, this is what you do. Like, you know, my mom, a girl in the 50s, I learned piano and I mm-hmm. do this. But, and I read the sheet music. Same thing for my sister. I do the piano lessons and if I get it right. I got a licorice thing from the 80 year old grandma teaching me and so forth. Yeah. So. Uh, I grew up with that, and my dad also playing um, some guitar around the house. He had a nylon guitar growing up underneath the bed that, you know, we could pick up and try to play. But, you know, really didn't get into playing the guitar seriously until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, been doing that ever since. I went to school for music up in L.A., um, got a degree doing it, and um, just, yeah, kind of been playing in bands since high school since and learning about every aspect of music and trying to put myself in any, every situation I can to be uh, growing as a musician and a human. Cool. And along the way, you know, just like these guys got my ass kicked and celebrated and everything in between. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's the journey. It's part of a, uh part of being on the the path of the the musician or the the troubadour or whatever you want to call it is like you're gonna get your ass kicked every once in a while but man are those highs not the highest uh they are the highest of that yes the highest highs while you're high are the highest of the highs that you can yeah no definitely i mean and sometimes the highs at least for me in the past have only the highs were a little bit fabricated from being high um (laughs) nowadays it's usually actually experienced so um that's a that's good um you mentioned dan something about you know learning more and more about music and what you can and and, but also being a better being a better musician and better human uh i i love kind of getting into that sort of stuff of uh um you know when you say something like that what's like what's your first thought like uh you can get as deep as you want with it, but um, I don't know. I just, I just, sorry. I feel like there's a lot of uh, excuses to not be better, and so, um, and there's a lot of exa- musicians get the free pass, right? <laughs> oh my god! No. I mean, all my best friends are musicians. I love musicians to death. I there's nothing else I'd rather do, and um, but I will say some of the people that I've like just vehemently disliked within like minutes of meeting them are also musicians because they're on that. Like they've gotten the exception 
too many times, you know what I mean? Or the, the past and they don't give a fuck about being a better human. And it's like, uh, I don't know, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found uh, mostly I've made a strong effort these days to surround myself with people who um, I either admire or um, look up in some level or at least bare minimum, just enjoy their presence. And, and, and we mutually all, enjoy what we're doing and the common goal and you know i feel like at this point to be you know anything outside of that you got to be really 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 good for you know for people to want to put up with you like you mm-hmm. know i found like you know i don't know i i feel like we're we're a band that we get coined of a lot of, of being a bunch of nice dudes and I feel like we are, but like, you know, I've been in the bands where there's just, you know, and maybe not, not for very long where there's like, God, that dude's just like an asshole or like, mm-hmm. you know, where I know people who are, you know, in bands and people were like, oh, I can't be in a band with that guy. Like, I just, you know, I feel like you gotta be, you know, that's, I, I feel like I, it gets hard. I, I could only assume it gets harder and harder and harder to be around people if, if people don't like being around you. Yeah. So, so you gotta be somebody. You gotta uh, get better as a human, or you gotta at least be a good human of doing it if you're gonna be out there in the world. You know, like I said, though, it's like um, company is, I think, what it's all about, and like you know, um, I don't know, just striving as we keep going down the path of rock and roll and meeting people, and you know, as a unit, we, you know strengthen up and and look out for each other's back and kind of are always looking for ways of how we can do what we're doing better each day and you know part of that is you know whether offering to you know make a sandwich or doing what you need to do early in the day so then you show up to uh rehearsal on time you know Mm -hmm. those little things of of just the, the the daily the daily work the human work that you gotta do to make sure that your work work is done with the same attitude and uh yeah deliverance I guess you say. no totally that's uh that's i mean i get i guess to to quote the 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 poets blink 182 i guess this is growing up uh <laughs> yes, no, i mean yes and they're still growing up i love it i love that they're I love that they they got a new record that's gonna come out. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for that. I am too. I'm too. I like their new their new single. We all at least I grew up. With, I saw Blink One Eighty Two at Warp Tour with with Green Day almost twenty years ago, and oh, yeah. uh, love Blink, you know, and love the band, and love you know. So it's a funny funny day and age where I feel like you can have so many. You, n- nothing's necessarily polarized. Everything's polarized, but everybody's got an eclectic taste and background i think which is cool totally i played a show last night in baltimore and um the first band was like kind of like singer songwriter meets shoegazy uh it's my buddy drew's band they're called icarus icarus phoenix really really cool and then there was this rapper dude named daryl tron that was like all self-made beats just like rapping to like his beats through the the pa and then we played and then uh, there was this other band that was like, uh, and we're like kind of uh, country rock meets psychedelic type rock. Um, and then the band after us was, uh, I'd call in like the Mac DeMarco, like indie pop-ish vibe. And it's like so eclectic, but it all just like had a great place in this like, I don't know, it's like a the sign of a great scene. I've never really played Baltimore before, but I really just dug like 
the fact that there was a lot of people there to see all this different types of music and it really you know brought people together the way you'd you'd hope um i guess that all being said like what when you're y'all are traveling like could you what would you say are the opposite ends of the spectrum of what gets played in the van um does that question make sense <laughs> is it like yeah yeah lady gaga and uh mastodon or uh yes and, and everything in between everything yeah. in between mm-hmm. yep it, it truly is because somebody be like oh well, let's listen to this and 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 oh or it's, it's 1 a.m in the morning and we need we you know we can't listen to to charlie parker or we're gonna fall asleep you know uh-huh. we need to listen to whatever the heaviest thing that we can find to, to keep us going i mean we, we definitely had a few of those moments uh especially during the 36 hour straight drive that we did to our first gig oh yeah where was that uh atlanta georgia so from san diego to atlanta georgia well from los angeles yeah we well i guess yeah from san diego they started in san diego so you went up to la and then out to yeah atlanta damn that's a and the albuquerque with two dogs yeah what about albuquerque Oh, stop. I had to make a stop in Albuquerque with two dogs. Uh, in the, we had to yeah. drop off the dogs. Oh, got you. Yeah. Um. Damn. I mean, so they so we, started our tour with us. Yeah. Albuquerque would be a good place to stop, I guess. On on the way. It's um, a great stop. Yeah. yeah. Was minutes. that just because the first show? Oh, sorry. Was that? No, I said just the, a quick thirty-minute stop in Albuquerque. <laughs> was that first show because? Was it just because the first show was booked in Atlanta? Um, well, and- there was yeah all sorts of reasonings why we had to make that drive the way we did. Uh, our, our intentions were to take our tour bus that we had, um, which sleeps four and sits nine or ten people, um, mm-hmm. and it's quite nice and cozy. Uh, but it decided to break down on the first leg of the West Coast tour, and then while it was being fixed, we got it ready for this tour, or the, the East Coast or Midwest tour, whatever you want to call it, South. I mean, we were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we were supposed to leave that Monday. Our first show was Thursday. Um, and the bus still wasn't ready on Monday. So we were like, okay, well, we should wait a day. Wait, wait more. It'll be ready on Tuesday. We can get it. It'll be ready. And we're uh-huh. like, well, this it'll be the last possible day we can absolutely wait. And so we were doing that and we waited and it was like noon and it was like, ah, we can't wait anymore. We just have to go. We have to leave. And, and so we made that call. And as, as the gear was driving up towards LA uh, from San Diego, we got the call that the bus was ready. Okay. Oh yes. The bus is ready. You know, we're going to make it. This is all going to work out. And so we went to the, the place. End. Where, yeah, <laughs> the end. Yeah. Not. Toured well and yeah, we made lots of money. Um, <laughs> We're rich and famous now. Fucking yeah. A. Yeah. Uh, so, but in the uh, actual had, reality. Yeah. Uh, so we, we had, uh, so we got everything. We, we, we unloaded the trailer where the bus was being repaired. So like the repair place started the drive or went back to my house kind of finished a few things started the drive was driving through rush hour traffic in la on a what was it tuesday night right 
Yeah, yeah it was Tuesday. Um, so we did it. We were driving. And like an hour and a half in, uh, which wasn't very far, maybe 50 miles, if that. Oh, fuck. Um, the, the bus just breaks down again. And we're like, uh-huh. oh, geez, not again. This can't be happening. And and we just had to make the call of we can't uh, afford to take the bus anymore or try to even take the bus anymore. So um, mm-hmm. my wife, who's a wonderful lady, she got the mini my minivan saddled up and ready to go. She brought the minivan out to us. Dan and one of our roadies, they took an Uber to an nearport air nearby airport, so then they could get a rental van. And the best rental van that they could get was a minivan. We went from mm-hmm. a 28-foot bus to a seven-passenger minivan uh, of trying to fit gear in there. Um, oh my so God. needless to say, a few things had to make some cuts. Um, and, some executive uh, decisions. Had yeah. To be yeah, executive decisions. Oh, no, that can't go. You can't take that. Um, so we, we did, we packed whatever we could into that one minivan and then the rest into my minivan, plus whatever seats we had to have open up and two dogs. Yeah. I'd like um, to include, there was a backup B3 organ and Leslie, which most bands don't have a B3 or organ Leslie to even concern, but we had, a back, <laughs> we, we had a backup. <laughs> Be a backup. Yeah. a backup to our slightly sh- sh- uh, shoddy, shady uh, story and Clark, which was a uh, knockoff version of a Lowry Oregon, which had the same brain, but just like same brain, but just uh, like made 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 in China body mm-hmm. that you know Mattel. <laughs> The Boy, Mattel did that version. body get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, oh, damn. To, it became known as Toothless McGee as it kept <laughs> lo- losing keys did, uh, throughout the tour and being, so, having to be repaired. So uh, That's, uh, man, too, it looks like the pumpkin I carved with my nephew yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did So were those organs like the first things you cut in that situation? One of them. Well, one Just of them. We had the one. one. Yeah. Well, yeah, t- tell me what, like, what things when you're looking at going from this 28-foot bus to two um, to two minivans, you know, like, wh- what are the things that got cut or that you can think of that was just like, okay, this has got to go, this got to go? Well, let's set the them- scene. Yeah. So we're in, yeah. we're in a grocery store parking lot taking up about, I don't know, five or six spaces with the bus there with its hood all open, and then two minivans show up. We've got all our gear sprawled out. It's nighttime now. probably five or six more spaces. People are driving by going like, what the hell is going on here? We just yeah. got all this vintage gear just like laid out. And then, yeah, basically trying to decide what to take. So I think I, uh, we still brought a giant piano, uh, acoustic piano that I used. Um, we brought another organ. We had to sacrifice you left your some amp. amps. I don't think I brought an amp. Mm-hmm. Um, Sacrifice the Leslie and the B3. No, we, B3, brought the Leslie. we brought the Leslie. We had to oh, bring, we the, did Leslie. bring the Leslie. That's right. We, we brought the Leslie. We did lots st- of merch. 
we brought merch. Yeah, we gotta take merch. Well, we lied. We had to ship merch. We had to ship merch, which made it, which was great. So we decided to just ship merch because we were staying at Alan's folks' place one mm-hmm. of the nights. So we were able to ship merch there. Um, we had to ditch any backup guitars. You know, you have just oh, everybody take. If you have a backup guitar, take it out. You know, backup bass, take it out. Oh damn! Uh, backup amps, like I said, it was like, oh no, we had an amp just in case because nope. everything nope. goes wrong, they will go wrong, and usually oh, yeah, that's the sure. case. And so we have backups, and then we're like, when you have the space, and we got rid of. We had a console we were gonna bring for that was both gonna be for mixing and for uh, multi-track. Left that, left all of our mics, all of our cables, um, any sleeping bags and shit like that. Uh, all that. Gone. Um, yeah. And how long was this tour? For about two and a half weeks. Two and a half, two and a half, half weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's long enough. With a, to, with a yeah. week off and then another week, so it was like three and a half weeks. Oh, we, oh yeah. Well, there was, right. was the California oh. tour was like oh. a week. Well, there was the California right. tour. Yeah, that was about a week, and then about four days off, and then then yeah. on, and it ended up being the guys, like, it ended up being. From August first to August twenty sixth, mm-hmm. door to door. Dang. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wh- did you? I mean, besides, obviously, that's a big, that's a hell of a way to start a tour. Like having that all happen in like forty eight hours between the bus yeah, not being not ready deal. and yeah, this um, is this is Tuesday night too. You know, and our gig is in Atlanta. We're still in California. Our Thursday. gig is in Atlanta, Georgia. By the way, in two days. Yeah, no, you you you're running out of the like physical ability to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah like just, we ran almost ran out of time. Yeah, I, I had to drive from Salt Lake City to Galveston, Texas, for a wedding once, and it was, um, I mean, it wasn't that obviously it's not that far, but it like we were on a deadline, and yeah, that's a, it's something else to be like if I if I pull over to sleep for an hour or two, and I accidentally sleep for seven. I'm going to miss this wedding, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, it was, yeah, it can be situation. stressful. Yep. What's, uh, oh, like what other times on that tour or, you know, any tour for that matter, uh, have you had something go either horribly wrong or something like what you, in the moment you were like, oh my God, we're fucked. And then like the kindness of strangers somehow just saved your ass. Do you have any good stories about that? yes yes i would say there's a half a dozen of them like <laughs> uh i mean well this oregon well, <laughs> so our oregon that we took out was very particular you know we're mm-hmm. you know we're definitely after something of what we're doing which is like you know in the show we're doing we're looking to present a sound and so yeah, we had this oregon that ended up becoming the, just every day the organ was like me, 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 and we were like, ah, oh, we're like tired, like very needy, a very, very needy organ. Um, and it just kept having malfunctions and problems up to, you know, doors about to start. One of the manuals doesn't work. Well, oh, you know, uh, and we just would put out Hail Marys to every single person we knew anywhere. And typically, whether somebody said, I can't help you, but this person can or flat out knows, uh-huh. we just got help from people who didn't need to help us, who just did. Uh, tech out in Columbus, who ended up working on it, 
and then the next day being like dude like all right cool it's done get this organ out and then picking up and be like well we have another organ we found a backup organ in case this one does taking two minutes two hours with it and calling me and being like nope get it out i've done everything i can for you guys you've kind of <laughs> worn out you've worn out your your uh good good neighbor <laughs> practice here and so you know just people this we picked up this organ um in cleveland, cleveland. Mm-hmm. that uh this woman had had since she was a kid and was looking for a good home tried donating it to all these jazz schools and all these schools in the area and nobody wanted it and then i happened to hit her up on facebook market desperately saying hey we need your organ we're so desperate we need help and she got back and she said you can come pick it up in the morning and so then our drive from Cleveland, drive an hour to the lake house in C- Candlewood Lake. Then next morning, you know, after doing the drive till three in the morning, getting there, wake up at seven, get to her place at eight thirty, pick up an a uh, basically the Lowry Hammond equivalent of a one hundred, so giant tube, massive Leslie that works uh, for free. And she said, "I'm so glad I could help you guys." and you know, I've had that thing on Facebook Marketplace, and I was going to have the DAV come and pick it up and finally lost hope of it going to a good home, and then your boy showed up. Um, That's really cool. That's like a, almost like meant-to-be type situation. Oh, like, yeah. She was probably so happy to be getting rid of that organ that she – or like getting rid of it, but like that she had all these memories with and like making sure it was going to like someone who would take care of it and – Oh, that's cool. I always love stories like yeah, that. She, we're, from, we're still we're friends now on Facebook because I had to <laughs> add her as a friend and message her frantically. And uh, but the <laughs> organs out there, and so you know, just that you know, different things. I and mean, we had a, plenty of uh, times where things just totally went south. And I, uh, I think our internal group had some saints come and help. Our roadie Mike uh, was in kind of like TM was definitely like save the day when we were in Toronto over some stuff of second show and a doorman leaving and a venue deciding to make the show free when we were like not gonna not when we did when we didn't decide to have the show be free after traveling you know thousands of miles to get there totally um so but you know a lot of good graces a lot of people coming to help and filling finding an organ player too because coming into the tour we had our organ player who we've been rehearsing with um, get COVID the night before we were supposed to leave. Well, shit, that's insane. Yeah. When COVID was the thing, like, I feel like three months, four months later, like COVID, nobody cares. Like COVID, what? I don't know. Yeah. Nobody's tired. It's like not even a thing anymore. <laughs> what? Uh, so you, you had to get a different organ player? Yeah. Overnight. And that's where Doug yeah. is not here. Overnight. Doug, Oregon who's the resident uh, Canadian in the group now, he came yes. into the fold, and um, he's not here, but he wishes he could be here, but he's now our full-time organ player for Jess Fever, and uh, there's nobody better for the job. He's like the greatest dude who does what he does. Amazing. That's awesome. Just like the night before you left for a, like three weeks or whatever, that's just signed on. Yep. Um, yeah, which is pretty amazing that someone could even do that overnight and know all the material already. Because we were doing 28 songs a fucking night. You know? 28 yeah. songs. A lot of material. By the band. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I mean this is these are songs that like seasoned musicians would would take some time to learn. Like yeah. maybe that in twenty four hours. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would. That's that's really fucking cool. Doug sounds like a rad dude. <laughs> He, he is, is a rad dude. Yeah, he's pretty he, awesome. He's a rad dude. And we put the word out to literally every single person we knew. And not, but then we were also, once he was signed on, he could miraculously do like 20 of the 24 dates. But then we still had four dates where we had to find a sub and mm-hmm. literally found subs in certain cities who joined, who we found two hours before the doors of the show. Woodstock, wow. Georgia mm-hmm. was one of them. Literally waking up in Mississippi, or me waking up, the band's still driving, Mississippi, you know, anybody, any Oregon, do we have an Oregon player tonight? No, no, literally getting into um, Birmingham, Alabama, and being like, we got one, we're three hours away, we got we got an Oregon player, <laughs> we, we got one, so, but we That's put out cool. that, a lot of folks, people, friends, I mean, just literally everyone in the Rolodex and then everyone's Rolodex. Who can you find? You know, uh-huh. um, and people who were like, I'd love to, but I can't I'm literally not able to, you know, I put, I, I added McDougal who plays with circles around the sun, grateful shred. He would love, he wanted to, but couldn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually friends with Rami Jaffe of the food fighters. He was working on the Taylor Hawkins tribute rehearsals. He's like, dude, I was just talking about Garth. I love Garth. This sounds amazing. But hell no, I can't do it. No, yeah, I'm about to do this. <laughs> no, totally. That definitely makes sense. Um, it is. It's wild how when you throw yourself out there, or when you know, like, you just like leap in the net will appear. You know, you just got to believe that something's gonna work out, and it works out. And even if it doesn't work out the way you think you want it to work out, usually it's like. You know, you drive away from the gig or wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, well, we're all still alive and we got a show tonight. So, <laughs> all right. You know, like I can't tell you how many times I'm getting ready for a gig and I'm or I'm like losing my mind because we're driving and we we get there after a 10, 11 hour drive and we've got an hour to set up and then we're playing like a three hour set. And I'm just like stressed about every single thing. And then that downbeat hits and I'm like, fine. And then we're done with the set and I'm like, I don't even remember what I was stressed about. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. I'm glad. Yeah, that can happen sometimes. Like yeah, sh- I mean, basically everything that can go wrong usually goes wrong with uh, this group, you know? So uh, we've always learned from the beginning to be able to to pivot and just kind of roll with whatever's happening, whether it be, you know, a, a piece of gear breaking right before we go on stage or, uh, you know, somebody on their deathbed about we're right about before we're supposed to go on tour, you know, basically anything like that. And it's just like, rather than, you know, giving up or, or getting frustrated, it's just like, okay, what's, what's the new plan? How do we, how do we get through this? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always a way we always find a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the show must go on and like, and also exactly. the show's not going to go on without you. That's an important thing for me to remember is like, Dude, you're, it's your name on the fucking marquee. Like, you know, like, I know mm. everything's stressful and whatnot, but, like, they literally can't start without you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <It's true>. so, <laughs> There's like, a few true. times where we were pushing that to the limit, boy, I tell yeah. you what. <laughs> totally. Well, and also, I remember my mom telling me when I was, when I, you know, I wasn't really raised with rock and roll, much more like just contemporary country and pop and whatnot. And I started discovering rock and roll when I'm, like, 
you know, 11, 12, 13, start playing guitar and stuff like that. Um, and I'm like listening to the, the Rolling Stones and my mom's like, oh, I saw the Rolling Stones once. And I'm like, wait, what? So yeah, for my birthday it was all I wanted was tickets to the Rolling Stones. Your grandma took me. Uh, they were three and a half hours late getting on stage and they were horrible. And I've never listened to the Rolling Stones since. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I was just like, that's a, uh, that sucks. But also you're like, like, I just think about that a lot. And it's like, well, I could never be the, like that bad, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or like be three and a half hours late. Obviously the stones are legends and whatnot, but like, I'm very rarely, I just like keep that in mind. It's like, well, you're not going to be three and a half hours late. And then like, no fun on stage yeah i don't know i'm sure they were great and my mom just her idea of a concert's probably different than um mick jaggers you know like <laughs> or what's appropriate i guess <laughs> um when did where did the love for the band start is that was that like i mean obviously like if if you like music and you're familiar with classic rock and stuff like that eventually you're gonna cross paths with the band um was there one of your specific members that was like really passionate about it? Or is it something you all kind of, uh, kind of like shared? Like, like what was this, what's the story there? Well, I mean, the band Mrs. Henry is, uh, the name comes from a Bob Dylan, the basement tape song. And at the time when I, when I started the group, that was very much, yeah, it was a big influence. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily if it was bigger than any other influence that we might have had, mm -hmm. but it was the the main influence. And, um, you know, I don't know. It just kind of uh, lended itself to the overall goal of it. You know, this the band was started with a goal of everybody singing in it and, and that admiration for a band that I felt was really unique and still very unique of having multiple singers. Funny, I was uh -huh. just thinking of um, uh, Blink-182 and their new single that just came out was, oh yeah, they're one of those groups. I, I grew up with a band that had the two alternating singers. Mm -hmm. And even that's a little rare, you know, I guess. But then, you know, I don't know. It's rare enough that when it isn't a commodity like the Beatles or something like that, obviously, only so rare. Rolling Stones, not necessarily the case. So it's like, I don't know, just the idea of these equal part members, equal part group, that kind of led to the start of Mrs. Henry. And then, you know, naturally with that being the goal, as we became a band and, you know, when really the lineup and the, you know, the where what takes us to now was that of myself being a lead singer, Jody Bagley being a lead singer, and then Blake Dean being a lead singer. Mm -hmm. and all of us singing well together you know i find like when people get together and they sing you know it's they call it a blend and um sometimes it's right and sometimes it takes sometimes everybody doesn't go to the right place like you go singer like everybody let's sing a note everybody goes to the same note or everybody goes to that the first time we ever sang it was just like naturally we all went and at the core we just naturally do that just we all usually nine times out of ten sing in in registers where we don't overlap and we just and we work together, and so you know that's a a trait of the band that was very specific and just kind of grew on us. And this whole band, the band universe, has just kind of been this constant that we can't really escape, even if we wanted to. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and so that's what's kind of brought us to here of, you know, I mean, my wife's heard the last waltz probably more than I think anyone has except mm-hmm. for us. And, and she'll probably be hearing it her whole life. Yeah. <laughs> of every, more than just every Thanksgiving is we just, you know, but like, it's still, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a band that doesn't get old. And I mean, but I, you know, I also can wear out a Who or Fleetwood Mac or a Stone Temple Pilots record, you know, to that extent. You know, we all love music. So the yeah. band just, just is and became a, just a part of us. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I couldn't throw a dart at, <laughs> at one of the many targets that just presented themselves to us to play this music. That's, that's rad. That I, I, uh, that, I mentioned earlier that the band that I'm with now, it's like, we've got my solo project, but we're working on this other thing. And that was kind of part of it was like, you know, like uh, my bass player had brought some songs that he is, he's written and whatnot. And we, as we were all singing it, it worked really well together. And like, I was like, well, what if you sing this song? He's like, I'm not really a singer. I'm like, yeah, but you're singing it now. You know, it <laughs> sounds good, you know, and we, it's, and it, that's kind of why eventually I was like, I don't feel like my name should be on this. Cause we're all, equal parts um and you know it is kind of a weird exercise in like checking my ego because i have just been solo for a decade plus now and like at the end of the day i call the shots and then just kind of being like no this is this is a democracy this is all even evenly weighted uh and then the band was actually one of those examples of like what I thought of when I was like, this is why I think we should all be singing and why we should, this is kind of something we should be kind of going for. So uh, yeah, it is, it is kind of rare, but it is, it's also so cool when a band pulls it off. Totally. Definitely. In uh, Mrs. Henry, uh, do you all contribute songs or is it like a certain person's songwriting vision? Like how does that work? Well, I've been the, you know, the, the primary songwriter, uh, as in the, the uh, you know, more on the lyrical side and mm-hmm. riffs and, you know, arrangement, but, you know, it's growing and it's definitely every song has our personal touch on it and what we're doing. And, and more than ever, like our most recent record we have, it's called Keep On Rising, which is actually as audacious as it sounds a rock opera but and it was written and a lot of the parts expanded on and tweaks here and there and arrangements and ideas all came from us playing together and working together so and one of the songs on on the second part of it it's a three-part release one of the songs was predominantly written by jody um in it too so you know i think that element is just growing and growing the more that we get together as that starts just growing, you know, I feel like there's a comfort zone of whether or not I had first started writing and was a primary writer. Well, we're now growing to where as that goes, we're each stepping out and adding more to it. You know, I know it's, um, it's, it's that growth of a band, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like sometimes maybe you're, you're like still tapped out from at least me. Like I write, I write kind of seasonally. Um, it's like hard for me to be someone who's like, I'm going to write a song a day, like certain months. Yeah, I could pull that off, but like I got to live some life before I can come up with something to write about. And so like, it's a lot of pressure when it's like, if you're the main one or if you're like the you know solo artist or whatnot, and 
uh, being able to be like, I'm kind of tapped out from the last record. And someone's like, raise their hand. Like I got some ideas and it's like, let's go. Like, what do you got? Cause I want to keep playing. I want to keep writing, but like, I'm just not getting the inspiration right now. So having that kind of team approach can be really, uh, really beneficial, at least for me. Um, are there, cause every band's got some sort of friction and I'm not trying to bring up any sort of drama, but like, or like, what do you, what would you say is the like tools that you all have learned to like successfully work through friction as a band? Cause that's something that like I mentioned earlier, some musicians don't last because they can't do that, you know, and they either turn solo or they just stop playing. Do you have any suggestions or, or things that you do personally? And any one of you guys can jump in. And well, the band doesn't know this, but I'm actually quitting today. Oh, oh, putting in my pink slip as we speak. You, Exclusive. You, you see, I thought <laughs> we had it. You're fired. Uh, yeah, you're all. You can't fire you me. Go. I quit. I got a clickbait title. I'm going to get so many listens on this oh, podcast. Dozens of listens. Dozens, yeah, I tell yeah. you. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, mean I, yeah, I think. Okay, oh, go, yeah. ahead, no, go ahead. I mean, I was no, going to say, yeah. I usually don't have a problem with any of these guys, uh, you know, because I've known them for so long and worked with them in all sorts of different ways that to me, there's a mutual respect of everybody can have their opinion and it, it, it'll be heard, mm-hmm. you know, and not just like glossed over. Of, oh, he's the drummer. He doesn't know anything, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. bass player, shut up, you know, yeah, that kinda, you know. Everybody has like an equal say. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it it can take some patience sometimes. Yeah, especially when collaborating together. You know, sometimes you have an idea that you think is really hot and really awesome, and you know, you you share that, and it might not be received that well. And sometimes you gotta kind of convince a little bit in the writing that this is the way it should go. And and sometimes I've definitely found with Dan and I sometimes we'll we'll have similar ideas, but sometimes they will differentiate a little bit and we'll kind of, we'll have to go back and forth. It's not always a like, I think we should do this. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Sometimes it is, but other times it's like, I don't know. I think we should do this. Yeah, but I I think we should do this. And so it's kind of a lot of like, uh huh. Okay. And then a little back and forth. And, but the more I think about that, the more that just makes it, it makes it perfect. And then you, you end up finding the perfect solution because it's not always just like, yeah, sure. That's great. You know, you have to have that little bit of challenge sometimes that little bit of a yin and yang to, you know, kind of work out an idea or come to a compromise of an idea. So I think it's, it's healthy to be able to, you know, have those differences sometimes, but then just kind of work through them. Um, yeah. And the result is, is always comes out good, you know? Um, but yeah, so sometimes some, some patience and, um, and just working together, you know, like any relationship, obviously people will make connections between, you know, being in a band to being in a relationship with someone. And it's not always just what I say goes, you know, of course, it's a lot of working together and, you know, you love these people deeply um, and when you're in a band with four, you know, three other people, four other people, there's a lot of different energies, a lot of different emotions, a lot of different things like that. But but luckily, we all, um, you know, respect each other and get along with each other really well. Um, 
you know, we love playing music together, but if we weren't playing music together, we'd probably get together and play cards together or something, you know, we're like, yeah. we're buddies, you know, That's so cool. to be able to have both is great. Uh, but with that, yeah, comes, comes those sometimes ups and downs of emotions, but um, yeah, we always work through it and, and become better musicians for it. I think. Yeah. Cool. Dan, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, no, man, I think Jody nailed it, man. Um, the patience and understanding and also, uh, the willingness to try or versus the potential knee jerk to not, I think is mm-hmm. a, uh, something of a lesson I've learned and something I think that always ends up, you know, Hey, like it doesn't hurt. It, no, it normally there's, Nine times out of ten, it doesn't hurt to try something. Um, totally. And, you know, very seldom is there any reason to say, like, no, there's no reason to not spend the time on that because this and that. You know, a truck's about to come. We need to cross this. We need to finish crossing the street. No, now is not the time to try this. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, like, you know, I feel like that's where the true growth of the band has come has been the idea of taking someone else's idea and taking lead and and seeing what happens and just why not, you know, like I feel like, and also, you know, everyone in the band has definite strengths and leaning on those strengths rather than, uh, you know, leaning on the strengths, I think has always been huge to me of like, I feel like we all do pretty well is like people just when they're really good at something, don't be afraid to ask them to do it or to be doing that. Um, if, or, or, you know, vice versa, if it's something, you know, somebody hates to do, probably don't ask them to do it or don't, or, you know, if you, if you think, Hey, I think I know this person well enough to know that if I'm going to ask this question, odds are they're going to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Just timing, making sure to be wise on what is done is, you know, we all have a mutual goal, you know, and we're all we're all driving to get there um just how it's going to get done is what's going to determine how it gets done yeah i i think i mean such an important thing to keep in mind is like we're all trying to head to the same place you know we don't know how we're going to get there but like if we're not all we don't all have the same goal what are we doing here you know it's uh and also leaning into people's strengths like i'm a big sports guy and it's like you know, the, I mean, people build their, whether it's football or whatever, they build their offenses around the, the personnel that they have. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I, what I love about being in a band is how much I grow because of other people's understanding and perspective on music or songwriting or whatnot inevitably influences how I play or, or listen, um, and all of those things, but also, I like to do what I do well, you know, and it's nice to, to have someone recognize those things. Um, nice. What's, uh, sorry, I gotta get back on the mic. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what, what's, what's next? Like, what do you, what do you guys got going on right now that you're, uh, super excited about? You want people to know about and, uh, Yeah. Well, we're going to be performing our next shows at Chess Fever are going to be performing the last waltz concert by the band. And, you know, it kind of worked out. We had, you know, we were, we just, you know, this thing just started in a sense of 
we put came together. We put together this tour so quick, almost to use proverbial overnight. And we, you know, just like everything's been a pivot for us. And so, are we didn't necessarily are we plan to go actually be hitting the West Coast in October? And then we had some opportunities come up that sidetracked that. And now those opportunities have been sidetracked once again. So now what brings us to the definite was we always know we're going to play the last wall. So we set out that goal in November. And so, you know, we're going to be doing something we haven't done before, which is to play it in more than one city. And uh, that's what we're really excited about. And we're gearing up towards and we feel great about, you know, doing this now from the get go with Doug, Oregon as well as a part of the unit it's like yeah well we've got our band now and it's our we don't got to worry about ifs and maybes and this is our group and so we have a show in you know show in San Diego in our hometown which uh we've you know moved to a new venue called the Magnolia Theater which we're very excited about and then a show following that um all this being on Thanksgiving weekend um, that's at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano, which is a, a legendary venue um, in its own right. And um, and then we're working on uh, and almost confirmed, almost there. Uh, it's confirmed. It's just it's not confirmed. all the way. It's, just, it's confirmed. We can launch it. It's Los Angeles. Yeah. We're doing Los Angeles. Yeah, we're doing Los Angeles, and then we're doing Toronto, when uh, Cleveland, Detroit. Louisville, Columbus, in the works. It's one of those things where I mean, I'm sure you know with touring and with book. Uh, do you do the booking, Charles? Do you do booking? Yeah, I do most right? of it. Jeff has started to help me with it recently, but I've been oh. my booking agent for the past ten years. So yeah, so you know, it's a slow process. It's a yeah. paint peeling off the you know wallpaper peeling off the side of motel slow process. Just totally. like it's. It's either all right away or it just, you know, some stuff gets confirmed the week of some things, you know, it's just a bizarre. And so for us, that's what we're, we're excited about doing a last waltz tour and doing markets where we're going to get to work with guests. We absolutely have never worked with and working with their community to do that. And that's, what's rad about the show. The last waltz is that it's automatically a door, an open door an open of like, Hey, we we're we're looking to uh work with you know the the guests in a city that you know hey there's a lot of great musicians in these cities in every city in the u.s and they're more and more now than there ever were and so yeah we're excited about that that's going to be thanksgiving into december and um just getting back on the road is exciting for us is we love it you know we all live to play it Hell yeah. That's awesome. That sounds super exciting. Um, when, let me, uh, can each of you give me a piece of advice that you would give to, um, actually I'm going to make it, make it individual. Uh, Alan, could you give someone a piece of advice that's moving from Ohio to los angeles at the age 25 right now what sort of advice would you give them um take all the gigs that you can get in uh you go to as many open jams go to as many shows that aren't yours make as many friends as you can as soon as you can with musicians and you know people that you want to be around um 
I mean, because that's that's the fastest way to to get into any community is just to, to meet the people in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to meet people not going to shows. You're not going to meet musicians not at jams or at whatever's because you know that's that's what they do. Totally. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been I, I've hosted many of jams in Los Angeles and I go to lots of jams in Los Angeles, you know, and that's just like where, you know, you'll see Dave Grohl just hanging out one night mm-hmm. just because he, that's what he would do. And, or you see, you know, this person hanging out and, and it's great. And they just hang out just as regular musicians, just as everyone else does. And, and, and so if you're if you're making the move, do it. Just get in. Mm hmm. But also, you know, find smell. Well, it comes with learning. You got to learn to smell the bullshit too, though. Totally, <laughs> and yeah. that just comes with trial and error sometimes. And and I'll be the first to admit, you know, I had to go through some of that as well. So you you have to growth. It's learning. It's it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. eventually you got to sift. Or you always got to sift through the bullshit, but eventually you get yeah. better at it. Yeah, you don't get you don't get wisdom right away. Wisdom is a thing that comes with through experience. So, yeah, yeah, you have to you have to have those experiences. Totally. So that uh, that's that's what I'd give the the young young bucks advice. I love it. I think that's yeah. phenomenal advice, yeah. especially moving to a big market. Um, oh yeah, it was scary. It was scary. <laughs> yeah, it can be terrifying. I wanted to do it for a decade, and then I finally met a girl who lived out here and i was like okay that's my reason to go because i wasn't i wasn't courageous enough to do it on my own (laughs) uh jody what i would love for you to give some um some insight onto like how you approach practice practicing your instrument ah yes oh very good question um Practice, everybody's favorite word. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about practice. Um, <laughs> um, my approach. Well, I try to be pretty organized as I can be. You know, when it comes to scheduling, when it becomes you know gigs, things like that. Um, I'll do a lot of work where I sit in with different people, or I have uh, recording sessions that I'm doing. So I do have a lot of. Uh, preparation I have to do and um, organizing with that. Um, But basically um, making sure to set aside the time is the one thing to try to not be rushed with something. Cause I always want to go into a gig or an experience, you know, feeling like I'm able to do the best that I can. And sometimes when the work piles up, it gets, even more difficult well how am i supposed to practice for that gig friday when i have the gig thursday and i have to practice for that and it's already tuesday and mm-hmm. um so setting aside that time and then just basically taking it in in little sections you know kind of small goals in a way and small tasks like that so even if it's you know within this hour i want to try to get these <clears throat> you know four songs down or something like that um, I'll do that. Um, so that's kind of when it comes to uh, learning music that I need to learn. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess if it comes, uh, you know, more from the practicing as far as a musician who's trying to get better, you know, I do I do improve a lot learning different 
you know, pieces of music for different gigs. Um, So it's interesting to think about. There's a lot of times where I um, am sometimes rarely practicing just for the sake of practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find that when I do, it still always improves as best I can. So I always try to, you know, be running scales, chord changes and things like that, even if I'm not working on something in particular, but trying to always keep, you know, dexterity up and, and things like that. Um, but, but thankfully between, you know, those little exercises and all the work that is coming in, you know, you find yourself just sort of practicing all the time. So it's hard not to get better, you know, and better at, uh, you know, charting songs, figuring out things by ear or reading music, things like that always, uh, seem to improve with all the work that comes in. Totally. Cool. It all adds up towards that 10,000 hours or whatever you want to call it. Just that time right. yeah, yeah, on that your craft thing. and yeah, being familiar with it. I've got friends that are like record producers, but play guitar in a rock band that tours. And they're like, and when I'm not like writing a record with that band or touring, my guitar playing is just shit because I'm just producing records and mixing records. And then it's time to go on tour and I've got to spend a month getting that dexterity back and really practicing and stuff like that. So it's right. cool if you're like staying in that, if you know, it, it's a nice thing to, to be able to do. Yeah. And I really hadn't noticed, you know, I, I might've taken a little break, you know, in between things when I first moved out to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it wasn't until basically the start of the pandemic, <clears throat> obviously where everybody's lives kind of came to a halt there was, um, we eventually pretty quickly after a couple of months went into the studio and we're thankful to started working on an album, which kept us creative and everything. But there were a few weeks there where I went, you know, from tons and tons of gigs and things to almost nothing. And that was the first time I found, you know, after a few weeks, like, oh yeah, this could, my playing could really start to deteriorate because I'm not doing all these gigs. And now I'm not, having something to practice so i better like force myself now to sit down and practice and play because you know because the world's gonna open up in two months you know (laughs) yeah obviously it was longer than that but you know you never knew when you're gonna be you know have to be prepared to be ready for that so that was definitely the first time in recent years where i realized you know how important those gigs and things were to uh, keeping my practice skills relevant and, you know, keeping them up. Cool. No, I think, uh, no, the pandemic definitely threw a curveball at all of us as far as, I mean, obviously that's an understatement, but like, it's, it's weird. Those little things like, like practicing and whatnot, like, Oh, I was just playing enough gigs that my, my chops just stayed intact. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden you're not doing it and you got to change your routine and whatnot. But I think it, I mean, that adds so much different perspective and, and view and just overall approach to your instrument to have to like rethink it in that way. At least, you mm-hmm. know, for me going from practicing and playing with a band all the time to like, oh, I'm back to just writing songs on my acoustic guitar in my bedroom. Like, this is nice <laughs> right. this little reset, but it's also weird. Uh, exactly. Um, Dan, when can you tell me a little bit about, uh, what and about like what you do as far as like your your work life balance like how how do you 
do you get completely consumed by your identity as a musician or is there some separation there? Like what, um, you know, is there, is there, does that inspire anything that you want to say about that? This is my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. No, I'm completely consumed by, by my life in music while finding all the pockets I can to try and not play music or not do something musical um so you know i have a wife i have two dogs i like doing more than just rock and roll um so i uh yeah so yeah i you know i try to find a balance as best as i can and uh you know i think it's really important even if you know because i feel like a lot of musicians tend to or at least there can be musicians that get very um focused in just music in their lives or that you know i found to appreciate when you don't have to be on the road or you don't have to be playing music i mean i'd be lying if i didn't say that it it's not it it's not constant because i you know just constantly am with my brain triggered to be thinking about the next one or thinking about some version of something of the in, involving you know this rock and roll life but uh, mm-hmm. but you know just went somehow managed to take time two weeks ago to go to Idlewild and go be on a mountain for you know a day and and be out in nature for you know three days and spend some time while also with a laptop getting back to emails and then being like, well, you know what? Time to go on a, you know, six, six hour hike and mm-hmm. try to detach if I can detach as much as I can detach. So, totally. you know, I find maybe trying to, I'm still trying to find that time. That's that working on being a better human uh, yeah. element that, you know, I feel like fine trying to find the time to do that is important and it's not going to go away. The world's not going to end if you don't. Totally. I, I have a similar um, disposition as far as like music can become like very obsessive for me or I can be completely consumed by every aspect of it. Um, and it's nice to have a little bit of separation. Uh, the last question I'd love to pose to all of you is, you know, like it's no secret that musicians struggle with mental health it's all it's like a pattern and i don't know if it's it's a a caused by the trade or if it's just part of the people that pursue music um as you get older at least for me as i got older i had to you know just reapproach my my perspective on life on on partying on all of that stuff like what because i wanted music to continue to be the main focus and it, it was starting to lose focus um I mean, do you have any, any things that you do personally to like maintain mel- mental health? If you have his, your relationship with music or with substance, anything like that evolved in recent years? Um, do you, any of you have anything to say to that? Um, I mean, in, in order to like, you know, curb those kind of things. I mean, I've always found exercise is good and, going for a bike ride uh i really enjoy that and i have i have two kids and i have a almost 
two-year-old and uh, a little baby seat on the back of the bike, and she loves that. Cool. So that always, you know, you, anytime you go out and do something like that, you're you're not going to be sad. Yeah. And so, you know, it, going back to the 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 separation of things, yeah, like we do so much music and we're constantly trying to take our own destiny into our own hands because that's what it is as a musician. I mean, you're nobody's doing anything for us. We have to do it ourselves. Yeah. And so we're constantly on the grind trying to do that. And yeah, just to be able to, to not think about that for a little bit is good for the mental health going for that six hour hike or the couple hour bike ride or swim at the beach uh-huh. You know, all those things are, you know, wonderful to for for the mental health and to unplug and reset. I mean, me personally, I love nature and and could spend the rest of my eternal days in the middle of nowhere with no one around. And I yeah. would be completely content. Same. I, <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel relate. like nature is where I belong. And, and any time that I can go there, it's always always refreshing cool that's that's uh it's good to have that or to understand that about yourself Mm -hmm. um how any of y'all have anything to add jody or dan um yeah (laughs) i mean a similar similar situation yeah I'm, i'm trying to think uh what does keep me mentally stable these days i don't know um are but you yeah, mentally it's stable, usually, really? <laughs> maybe i'm not oh my gosh stable's relative so revealing this interview <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, basically yeah finding finding those times to separate yourself from music which is tough when you when you do often wear a lot of hats or play in a lot of different groups you know when you when you're life is doing that full time it's not just uh, obviously a straight up nine to five and then kind of separate myself from my work job and go home and do this kind of thing you know it's sort of always always constant and and you're right like i think with just a lot of creative people um you know there with that creativity can come a wide range of emotions and a lot of a lot of highs and a lot of lows and you know it's no secret of course that some of the greatest music ever you know has come and some of the most you know healing music has come from tragic situations and people being in in horrible places mentally mm-hmm. um but yeah trying to be positive and and yeah the separation you know nature is good even even putting on a tv show or a comedy or something like that something that's just totally takes your brain off of the you know off of the music and off of all that stuff that um, spending time with family friends um which is tough you know even with these guys i see them a lot and we're always having a good time we're always making music but very rarely are we just kind of like hanging out with no other intention other than just being with each other and and having fun you know those are positive byproducts of being in a band with people you love but it's uh-huh. uh yeah, but finding that time to be, to to basically to separate yourself from it, um, recharge, you know, and then, and then you know you're totally ready to tackle it. And sometimes it just takes a few hours. Sometimes it might take a few days, but uh, whatever it takes, it's important to to keep that, keep something, you know. Yeah. No, I 
I like that, that I can relate to all of that a lot. And, uh, rem yeah, trying to remember that you are still, you are still you, whether or not you're playing your music or you're writing music or whatnot. Like I, I could lose myself if in the, my value was tied to my work and my creating and, mm. and being able to separate those things, I think really, um, you know, to being able to value yourself, even if you aren't making music is an important thing and sometimes difficult, but, you know, finding a way to do that is really, really good. Uh, Dan, yeah, yeah have, it's very true. You have anything else, anything to add to the, any of that, Dan? No, man, no. I mean, to find a chance to just, you know, chill out, relax, you know, smoke a doobie, you <laughs> know, watch the animal planet over around a fire. Like the other night we were working, we were rehearsing, we had a long day rehearsing, and then everybody just chilled out in front. I have I'm, the house I'm living at, I got a fireplace there. So I went around the fire watching bears grab the little baby cubs in their mouths and cross the Everglades with an alligator waiting to bite, you know? Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's not music. It's still just chilling, and you can kind of see the like, yeah, cool. The unwinding, all the tension, everything from the day, just kind of like, you know, the relaxation. I think that's an important part of, uh, you know, everything. Even on this last tour we did with Test Fever, we had a day off, which I'm always opposed to day offs. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but <laughs> we got a chance to do a day off and at the lake house, and man, just everybody got to. I mean, I didn't have a day off. I was still running around doing all the bullshit until then. I didn't got I got a half day off, and man, that was one of the best half day offs I've ever had in my life. <laughs> um, but it was great, you know. Like, there's a certain you got to recharge. You got to like, you know, even what's great about the band and the band is like a family. Is uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe some person's day off is isn't there you know it might not be yours you guys work together you know some people maybe while someone's having a day off someone else is working behind the scenes you're having mm -hmm. one there to that just you know find the the awareness is very very big and important i feel like as a band we all do a good job to be aware of one another and support and be open to say if you're having a shitty time you you usually know Somebody, somebody needs a little space. Give them that space and let mm -hmm. them work it out. Or somebody needs someone to come and talk to them. You know, someone, one of us is going to be there to ask what's going on. How you doing? You know, what's 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 the deal? What's going on here? We're all very aware. That's so. that's great. That's uh, um, yeah. You got to you got to say the thing. You see someone struggling, like um especially as dudes sometimes it's hard to breach certain subjects or whatnot but like you got to say the thing uh you know uh your friend's struggling mm -hmm. you bring bring up something or you're like hey i see you what's going on what can we do um and yeah it's hard but it's uh yeah that's something i've been working on a lot is uh you know when you're compelled to say something even if it is kind of awkward or whatnot just just fucking say it you know because you may not get the chance to do it again so um right Oh, I don't want to end on such a, um, such a like kind of low note. I I'd love to um, do do either of you or any of you have a just a really funny story, anecdote, something, uh, just that like just like a funny thing that happened to your band that you can think of in the past year that like 
uh, would be a kind of a lighter note to end the conversation on. I know that's a lot of pressure. Mm. So if, if you can't think of anything, <laughs> but, or did you get in like, you ever get in uh, a brawl on tour or like, uh, um, I, I don't know, you know, like uh, run into some interesting character that's like one time my, my old guitarist in one of my bands got kidnapped by a couple of meth heads. Oh, um, oh, wow. You know, and uh, one, one of these days I'm going to get him on the podcast to tell that story. But uh, I don't know, like anything insane like that, any crazy on the road stories? Uh, well, Dan, Dan and Gizmo saw someone get shot. I yeah, mean, we saw someone get shot. Thing on yeah, I don't know out here, but positive, but we made it out okay. So <laughs> Holy <guess> shit! <laughs> yeah, we yeah. saw somebody get shot in Burlington, Vermont, and uh, and the perpetrator, I think, is they call him the perp, uh, stumble <laughs> as we booked it, jumped in front of our car, but fell down. We screeched to a halt, and um, you know, I'm here to tell the story. We made it out all right. And the person who got shot survived. Okay. So happy good. ending. Dang. If you get shot, you might not die. That's a good thing. <laughs> so, that is a good thing. So um, and you know, watch out in Burlington, yeah. Vermont. Yeah, you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it, apparently. But... Well, apparently they defunded the police, so I guess that's a whole thing. That's a whole separate. That that is a part of why that they actually did a defunding, and they're like, oh, there's been like 14 shootings in the last like 14 weeks. Um, hmm. So there could be something there. I don't know. But the positive is everyone survived. No one was hurt. We made it all right. And uh, and now we're here having this great chat with you. So, you know. Hell yeah. Glad you're here. And on the note of, um, like, you don't you won't die if you get shot. Uh, just in case my older sister is listening. One time, you know, when we were kids, we grew up in the wood, like, small town and, uh, you know, we all had BB guns when we go camping and, and she'd walk around with her finger over the tip of this Red Rider BB gun. And we kept telling her, you're going to shoot your finger. You're going to shoot your finger. You're going to shoot your finger. And then finally, one of these days, she shoots her finger and it's, you know, it's a BB, like a low powered BB gun. Uh, but she's young enough that she like she thought she was going to die because oh. like in movies, when people get shot, they die. It's yeah. so, <laughs> it's so, I don't know. That's just kind of a a funny story from when we were kids where she was like crying and we're like, and like hours later, we're like, is like, it, you seem like your fingers better. She's like, I just don't want to die. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Jeez. That's funny. where can, uh, people listening to this interview find out more about chest fever, uh, and about where can they find you all on the internet? You can find us at chestfeverofficial.com. You can go on YouTube and find us on there, Chest Fever. You can find us on Instagram, Chest Fever Official. Same thing on Facebook. And you can also find our original band, Mrs. Henry, online as well, mrshenry.com. Mrs. Henry rocks on social media. And, uh, yeah, you can look out, look for, you know, we'll be playing The Last Waltz, and next year we'll be playing more stuff by the band and more stuff of our own. And so a never-ending story of rock and roll from Chess Fever and Mrs. Henry. Fuck yeah. I love it. Thank you all so much for sitting down with me. Um, I hope to be able to catch a show sometime down the road. And uh, Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll be in New York again, I'm sure. Yeah. Definitely keep me updated. Um, I'll I'll follow y'all on all the socials and whatnot. That way I can be aware of when it happens. And if I'm in town, I will be there. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks. Awesome. Thank awesome. you, Chuck. Thank, Thank you, you, Charles. Yeah. Thank you, Charles, Chuck. 
Not Charlie. Thanks, not Charlie. Not Charlie. Chuck Charles, not Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll hope to catch you on the road and uh, yeah, be safe out there. All right. You same to you, man. Yeah. One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast.